Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, hey, I'm pumped because we are currently, uh, we're in the final stretch of our six-month study, if you can believe it. Six months in one gospel, the Gospel of Mark. We've been diving deep for the past six months, starting in January, and we're actually wrapping it up. This is our final collection of talks. We call it On the Money. Somebody say On the Money. Come on, in the chat, type On the Money. On the Money. That's what we're talking about for these next couple of weeks. And we're right here at the end of our study. And it's been incredible uh, so far. I've loved what we've been learning. In the past two weeks, Pastor Rich brought incredible messages around this thought. So. This collection is, is framed by this brilliant answer that Jesus gave to a very difficult question. He was approached in Mark chapter 12 by a man generally wanting to know the answer. He heard them debating, talking, questioning Jesus, and he heard he gave a good answer, so he asked them a question that he had, and he said, teacher, what, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave him this brilliant answer. He said, love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. And that simple little answer is serving as the framework for our whole conversation in this collection. And we're in week three right now. Week one, we got to talk about this first word, loving God with your heart. And Pastor Rich brought a message called What God Wants. We, uh, we went to this case study of a woman named Mary. She's the sister of a guy named Lazarus who maybe rings a bell. Mary got to see Jesus raise her brother from the dead. And what we see is that in this exchange, this interaction at the table, Mary breaks all the social norms. She breaks the rules. She approaches a table full of men. She interrupts the dinner because she can't contain her love for Jesus. It's overflowing out of her heart. It's a picture of what it looks like to love God with your whole heart. Like her love pouring out, she breaks an alabaster box and she pours perfume all over Jesus. And people object, but she doesn't care because she has some uncommon obedience. She has some uncommon devotion. She has some uncommon faith and nothing's gonna stop her from telling Jesus how much she loves him. So we talked about loving God with your heart. Last week, we, we, we had a, an intense conversation about loving Jesus, loving God with your soul. And we kind of looked at the, the opposite end of this spectrum in a message called, don't lose, don't sell your soul. Don't sell your soul. We looked at this guy named Judas Iscariot, who we don't talk about a whole lot, but he only shows up a couple times in the gospels and we looked at what he shows up for and what he says and what he does. And we realize that what you show up for has a lot to do with what you gain and what you forfeit. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to forfeit his soul? You and I were in a spiritual fight, but often we don't fight back, we just forfeit. Often we say we're fighting, but really we're just forfeiting. We're, we're giving in, we're giving up. This week, we're gonna focus on that third little word, love God with your mind. Love God with your mind. And I wanna to talk to you from this simple thought. The answer is right on the money. The answer, so, somebody say that. The answer 
is right on the money. Type it in the chat. The answer is right on the money. And I want to kind of start our conversation today because I always consider this a conversation, even though it's not. I say it all the time, right? I want to start this with a question. I want to ask you a question, not really to get your mind going because I need you to help me with a personal problem that I have. I want to ask you this question. How was it possible for me to be equally amazed at the sheer and utter brilliance of humankind, yet at the same time shocked by the unbelievable stupidity of humanity? How? I, like how, I feel these two things at the same time. I don't really understand how it works and I need you to help me figure it out. Like, sometimes I'm overwhelmed by the brilliance of people. Like, how are you like that? And then other times I just can't believe how stupid we are. Like, the thi- how, could you, how could you think that? You know, like, you, that's really, that's what you think. That's what you, how can you believe that? How can you do that? How could you say that? Like, what is going on in your mind? I'm shocked. And I know it's not nice to say, but it's how I feel. I want to be honest with you guys. Um, how, how is it possible? Yet at the same time, I, I'm overwhelmed by the unbelievable brilliance of people. Like, how, how did you do that? The same questions. How, how did you say, how did you think of that? How did you write that? How did you create that? How did you figure that problem? How did you solve that? It's unbelievable. I mean, literally like, just look around today. I know if you're in your house, it, this works too, because you're surrounded by unbelievable things. What is all this stuff? Like, where are we and what are we doing? Like, what is this stuff? Right now we are streaming on the internet. What the internet is and what streaming means, no idea. I can use the words in a sentence. But I, I, I don't really know how they work. Like every piece of technology in this room, from this microphone to the camera, to the lights, to the screen, like I don't understand how it works. Like how did, how are people so brilliant? How did they come up with this stuff? How did they figure it out? How did you make that? I'm overwhelmed simultaneously by the intelligence and the, the ignorance of man. Two things in this world are infinite, human intelligence and human ignorance. And it seems kind of like counterintuitive, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense because you see the mind is the most powerful tool in the universe and it works in both directions. So it kind of it makes sense that the things that surprise me the most are how smart we are and also how, how stupid we are. How am I in this situation? I think the mind is a pretty incredible thing. And, and Jesus, he says to us, we got to love God with our minds. I think your mind could be your greatest asset or your greatest liability. Because there's nothing more creative than a sound mind and there's nothing more destructive than an unsound mind see last week we said that we're in a fight but you better believe that the enemy is going to bring that fight to your mind 
You see, we know that today we don't just struggle with physical illness. We struggle with this thing. We call it mental illness. Your, your mind is not, is not working right. It's an epidemic in, in our culture, in our society. It's something we, we struggle with. We are in a battle in our minds. And so I think we should ask the question, how do we love God with our minds? How do we do it? Well, I think the first challenge we got to overcome is defining terms, figuring out like, what is the mind? Now, let, let, me, let me just be up front. Like I was a philosophy major in school. Okay, shocker. I know. And you go, well, that's why you got all these weird ideas. They planted them in your head. No, I became a philosophy major because I already had these weird ideas in my head. Okay. When I went to intro to philosophy, I went, oh, that's what you call this. Because I've been thinking about this stuff my whole life. There's a name for it. And so I studied philosophy. But the problem with philosophy students is that they have this like gift, and it's not really a good gift. They have a gift for turning things that are really simple and making them really complicated. And like, that's not what I want to do today. Like, I don't want to add to the confusion. I don't want to add to the frustration. I don't need to add to the difficulty. I actually would love to bring some clarity to your life. I don't want to take something simple and make it complicated. I would, I would love to take something complicated and make it really simple. So that's what I'm going to try to do today. I, I, I don't want to mess with you. I remember arguing with my wife in, in school because she was studying music. I was studying philosophy and I was taking these classes. And I would ask her questions like, you know, she's like, what, do you, what did you learn about today? You know? I'm like, well, in metaphysics, we were talking about um, what personal identity is and how it persists over time. And she's like, it, it just, it's obvious. Like, it just does. Like, I don't know. Why are we asking these questions? You know, it's like, is this really a table? Um, like, yeah, I, th I think it is. No, I think again. It's like, just let me enjoy my breakfast, okay? Like, can you just give me a break, you know? Oh, you decided to order the sandwich. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I think not. It's like, okay, well, it's philosophically impossible, but I do it every single day, okay? So I don't know what to do with that. So I don't want to confuse us. I don't want to make it hard. I'm, I, I want to make it as simple as I possibly can. We're talking about loving God with our, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And, and the truth is, what these things are philosophically, I can't tell you. I don't really know. Like, what they are in reality, like, what is your heart? Where is the heart? What does it look like? You know, I no idea, Okay. Where's the soul, man? You know, can I touch? No, I don't know. However, I think conceptually, it's pretty simple. Like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Like, as it, in reality, I don't know. But like, symbolically, what, what these things represent, I think is straightforward. I think we can actually all agree on that. So love God with your, your heart. What does your heart represent? It represents your emotions, represents your feelings, it represents your passion, represents your desires? What does your soul represent? Well, simply stated, like your soul represents the deepest, realest part of who you are. Your soul is, is the real you. So I know it's kind of vague, and, but we get it. Like that's what we're talking about. So when we, we start talking about loving God with your mind, well, what does the mind represent? The mind represents your thinking, represents your perspective, represents your understanding, your reason, represents the way you see things, represents your, your knowledge. So when, when Jesus says love God with your mind, he means love God with these things, with the way you think, 
and the way you reason and the way you see the world and having a godly perspective and a godly understanding and growing in your knowledge of him. That's loving God with your mind. We don't have to make it all that complicated. And today we're going to go to a case study in the Gospel of Mark, as we've been doing each week. We're going to look at a story that helps us illustrate and understand and unpack this idea. Now, the thing about these four case studies is that they all have a common theme or a common denominator. And that common theme is money. Now, I know money is like an uncomfortable or, or a, a controversial subject in church. And I think the fact that like we don't always want to talk about it is probably a great indicator that we definitely should talk about it. You know, like if you have anything in your life that you go like, no, no, let's not talk about that thing. You should probably talk about that thing. So let's take some time to talk about money, okay? We're gonna get into it. There are three main kinds of money, forms of, of money. Four if you count crypto, and you probably should. <laughs> separate sermon, separate day, okay? Three basic kinds of money. You've got commodity money. Everybody say commodity money. Commodity money is money that is intrinsically valuable and useful. So it's valuable because of the commodity of which it is made. So examples of this would be like gold and silver and back in the day, like tea and uh, fur pelts and salt. And for all of my, you know, former prison members, it's cigarettes, things like that. It's like stuff you use to trade because it's useful. Like people used to use salt as money because it helps you preserve your food and stay alive, you know? So it's intrinsically valuable, it's intrinsically useful. The second kind of money is called representative money. Now representative money, it's not intrinsically valuable, but it represents something of value. So what you might get is you might get a receipt or you might get a note that gives you a claim to a commodity. So if you have a warehouse receipt that says, hey, all the stuff in this warehouse belongs to Dakota Duran, uh, that's representative money. It, it, it's it represents something of intrinsic value and use. You with me? The third kind of money is what's called fiat money. Fiat money, not the car, fiat money, okay? And what fiat money is, it, it's, it's kind of different because it's money that is not intrinsically useful, it's not intrinsically valuable, and it doesn't represent anything of value. So how is it valuable? at all. Fiat money is money that's established by authority. So say a government says this is worth something and we all agree and we use it to exchange stuff. So the fact that you accept dollars for my stuff is good enough. So back in the day, the, the American dollar was a representative currency, meaning we, we use this thing called the gold standard. So every dollar in circulation was backed by gold, right? They had gold tucked away somewhere like Fort Knox or wherever. You know, somewhere around the 30s, we started moving away from it under Roosevelt. In the 70s, we abandoned it under Nixon. And now we're left with this thing called fiat money. What in the world are we talking about? What I'm getting at is this. Okay, I say all of that. I know you said you were going to make it simple. Now it's complicated. You've lied to us once already. I don't trust you anymore. Um, no, no, no. I, I say all that to say this. Money is an idea. So like the kind of currency we're using today, it has no intrinsic value and it has no useful value. It's only valuable because we all agree that it is. It's only valuable because we're willing to accept it in exchange 
for things that have real intrinsic value, right? Money's an idea, and it's an idea that is more influential, more powerful in our lives and in our society than I think we realize. I think money like, affects the way that we think day to day. I think money affects the way that we interact with and have relationships with people. I think money is doing more behind the scenes in our minds than we, we really realize. It's, it's not just a thing, it's a concept and it's an idea. And it shapes our daily lives. You see, money is not just money, Money is a representation of value. See, when we're talking about money, we say things like, what's he worth? What's, what's your net worth? It represents our value. And I think that our value is more tied up in money than we, we even realize. All right. Let's just go to our case study for tonight. We're going to the Gospel of Mark. We're still in, in Mark chapter 12. Starting in verse 13, if you got your Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to have it uh, up on your screens as you're watching online. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. It says, later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and they said, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Man, I, I think it's so easy to just pass over this story as we read through the Gospel of Mark. But there's actually so much going on here beneath the surface. So here's our scenario, right? We just read it. Jesus is approached by some people. These people come to him with a difficult question. And we're, we're told that they came for a specific reason. They came to trap him, to catch him in his words. They wanted to get rid of Jesus because they didn't like Jesus because he's popular with the crowds and he calls them out and they can't get away with anything with this guy. And he calls them names. He says they're hypocrites and he called them a brood of vipers. What does that even mean? He gave a whole speech like, woe to the Pharisees, woe to the teachers of the law. And they're like, woe to you, man. We had to get rid of this guy, Jesus. So they come and they want to catch him in this issue. So we know that they're approaching him with a trap and they're trying to they're trying to get him to incriminate himself with his words so they can get rid of him and take him out of the, the picture. They come to ask him a question about taxes. Some of you should be pumped because you've been wondering, do I really have to pay my taxes or not? You're going to get your miracle today. No, I'm kidding. We're going to find out. Um, we'll see in a second. This is not really about taxes. It's about way more than that, as you would expect from Jesus. But it's interesting to note that this is one of the most hotly debated issues of the time. Because you need to remember, if you know anything about the history of Israel, the history of the Jewish people, they were conquered by the Roman Empire, which means that at this time in history, the Jewish people are a people in crisis. They, they fear that their, their culture, their society, their traditions are being lost under the weight of this, this empire. They can't resist the strength and the power of Rome, but they're trying to resist the influence of their culture and their ideas. And there's all kinds of conflict within Israel around these issues. People 
disagree and some are more progressive and some are more conservative, some are more traditional. It sounds pretty familiar. And we hear about these different groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the Hellenists. And the truth is that all these people were, were Jewish people that disagreed on fundamental parts of the law. And one of really the eight, nine, 10 most hotly debated issues was the issue of taxation. Should we pay taxes to Rome or not? What's really interesting to note is that the Pharisees and the Herodians come. What's interesting about that is that these are people who fall on opposite sides of the issue. So when asked if they should pay taxes to Caesar, the Pharisees would say, absolutely not. We need to preserve our culture. We need to honor our laws. They wanted to return to the dynasty of King David. When asked if they should pay taxes, the Herodians should, would say, absolutely, we should, because they were Hellenistic Jews, which means they were embracing the Western culture and they wanted to change and grow and assimilate into the culture. They wanted to put someone on the throne from the dynasty of Herod, okay? So this is no accident. These people are coming intentionally to trap him and they brought people on opposite sides of the issue. It's a sensitive, controversial subject and they're trying to catch him. Now, where the text says they wanna catch him, this word is a special kind of word in the New Testament. It's what's called a hapax legomenon. Can you say that? Hapax legomenon, which means it's a word that only appears one time in the entire New Testament. So it's hard to figure out exactly what it means, but it's an aggressive, violent term for trying to capture someone, like trying to capture an animal. That doesn't really matter a lot in our story. I just wanted to say hapax legomenon. What an awesome word, right? One more time, hapax, legomenon, awesome. Now, we see it's significant who's coming to Jesus because they fall on different sides of the issue. We've got the Pharisees and the Herodians, and they're trying to question Jesus and catch him. Either way he answers, he's gonna offend somebody. He's between a rock and a hard place. There's no easy way out, and they push him. Should we or shouldn't we? They want him to answer black or white, yes or no. If you say, don't pay taxes, you're in trouble with Rome. If you say, do pay taxes, you're in trouble with Israel. So they're, they're, they're trying to get Jesus in some trouble. And they come to him with flattery in verse 14. It says, they came to him, they said, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Now, they don't mean what they're saying, but of course the irony here is that they're actually right on the money. They speak the truth about Jesus, but they just, they speak it with hypocritical intent. They didn't come wanting to learn from the teacher. They, they came to trap him. How many of you know you can say all the right stuff about Jesus, but if you don't recognize who he really is, it's not gonna help you at all. So somehow they, they know, they say the right thing. They're exactly right, yet they're, they're pretty wrong. They ask this question in verse Verses 14 and 15, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Now, here we go. This is where the real issue is gonna come to the surface, okay? And what's gonna help us is this little word tax. And the reason is because it's not exactly the best translation of this word. If you go to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 20, verse 22, it's translated this way. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar? Very, very different idea here. It's not just about taxes, it's about tribute. Yeah. So what exactly is the tribute? 
The Roman imperial tribute was something imposed by Rome on Roman citizens and conquered subject peoples, right? And this is how it worked. Rome, they, they minted this coin called the tribute coin. And what they did is they circulated it so you could buy a tribute coin. Then when you buy it, you could take it somewhere and get a receipt. Upon validation of the receipt, you would get incense to offer in a temple in worship to Caesar. Okay, so this is not just about money. See, this is much deeper than it it seems. The question is not really about money, it's, it's about idolatry. It's not do we pay our taxes, it's do we pay tribute to Caesar. They're asking about a specific practice for a specific reason. They say, should we, should we do it or not? And the, the fact is, there's nothing wrong with paying taxes. In fact, in Romans 13, Paul says exactly that. You should honor authority and you should, he says, pay taxes to whoever taxes are due. Paul's really clear about it. There's nothing wrong with working a job, with making money, with participating in the economy and commerce and buying stuff, just as long as you remember who you worship. It's not really a money issue. It, it, it's a worship issue. It's, it's deeper than that. And so they're trying to trap him, but of course, Jesus is too smart for him. So in vif- verse 15, he says, in 15, he says, Jesus, he knew their hypocrisy. Of course he did. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Now, I, I like this because, again, you don't know the context. You don't realize this is actually funny because we know through the other gospels that the place where this conversation takes place is what's called the Temple Mount. Now, if you know anything about the temple, it was illegal in Jewish law to bring Roman money into the temple. So they ask him, should we pay tribute to Caesar or not? And he says, someone bring me a denarius. What this is like is like if someone came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, like, is it okay for us to watch pornography? And he says, well, pass me a Playboy. And someone goes, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Well, we found out where you stand on the issue. Uh, Jesus hasn't shown his cards yet, but this guy, whoever gave him the coin, realized, oh, okay. He, he, he's on that side. He's probably a Herodian, probably a Hellenistic Jew. He, he gives Jesus the coin. And in true Jesus fashion, of course, he, he answers their question with a question. I heard it said, why does a Jew answer a question with a question? Why not? Verse 16, it says, they brought the coin and he asked them a question. Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Whose image and whose inscription? The question that I asked myself when I was reading this, because I realized it's not just a fairy tale, like it's, it's a real story that really happened. So what is Jesus seeing when he's looking at the coin? Whose image and whose inscription? Well, we know the answer because Jesus is talking about the Imperial Roman tribute and he's living at the time when a man named Caesar Augustus Tiberius was the emperor of Rome. So in all likelihood, Jesus is looking at what's called the Tiberius tribute coin. And the cool thing is that we have those. So we're gonna throw up an image for you online so you can see what it looks like. This is the, the tribute coin that Jesus was looking at that day. 
And he says, whose image is on this coin? Well, the answer is Caesar Augustus Tiberius. It's, it's Caesar's image. But don't miss the second question that Jesus asks. He says, and whose inscription? And I asked myself this week, like, what was the inscription written on the coin? We know that the image is Caesar's, but they don't answer the question. So I looked into it and I, I found out something pretty interesting. The inscription on the Tiberius Tribute coin read, Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. Caesar, son of God. Whose image and, and whose inscription? Now this is about a lot more than taxes, isn't it? The problem is not your tax. The problem is when your tax becomes your tribute. You see, the problem is not like participating in politics. It's when your political party becomes your denomination. It's when like the capital becomes your church. Now it's, it's deeper than that. It's when your civil duty becomes your worship. Should we pay tribute to Caesar or not? Let me ask you today, where does your allegiance lie? Where does your hope and your trust lie? Who do you worship? Who do you serve? And Jesus finally answers their question in verse 17. Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God, what is God's? And they were amazed at him. And it's about as brilliant an answer as I've ever heard. Because Jesus is surrounded by people on different sides of the issue. He's, he's surrounded by people that want to catch him, that want to trap him, that want him to answer wrong, say the wrong thing. And they think no matter what, the way we set it up, no matter how he answers, he's gonna offend and alienate and upset somebody. He's in a public forum with a whole lot to lose. And he's asked the question in a way that they think they're forcing him to decide between one or the other. And instead, Jesus answers in a way that kind of bypasses their surface question, but answers the deeper question they didn't even want to ask. And at the same time, he challenges everybody standing around him. He challenges the Pharisees, challenges the Herodians, challenges the Sadducees. No matter where you fall on the issue, it's a challenge. The answer is it's right on the money. The answer is right on the money. I, I don't know if you get it. The, the answer is it's right on the money. What's the answer? It's right on the money. What's the answer? Where is the answer? It's right on the money. If you, you want to know something about your allegiance, look at your money. The answer, it's, it's right on the money. Money can tell you a lot about a man because it's not just a coin, it's a concept. 
It's not just a resource, it's a representation of your value and your worth. It's an idea and there's more wrapped up in it than we realize. What's sad about this whole interaction is that no one thinks to ask the obvious follow-up question. Render unto Caesar, give back to Caesar what's Caesar's and give back to God what is God's. What's the obvious question? What is Caesar's and what is God's? And therein lies the brilliance of the answer because he is prompting you and he's prompting me to consider the ramifications of what he's saying. Give back to Caesar what's Caesar's. What's he saying? Should you pay tribute to Caesar? Give Caesar a stupid little coin. Yeah. What he's saying is that Caesar has a right to everything that bears his image and nothing more. Sure, pay him his tax, but don't you give him his tribute. Yeah, you can give him the coin, don't you give him your heart. You can give him your money, just don't give him your love. Give him back what's his, but don't you ever give him your heart. Don't you ever give him your soul. Don't you ever give him your mind. Don't give him your strength. Render to Caesar what's Caesar's. Yeah, he can have everything that that bears his image. Whose image and whose inscription are on the coin? Whose image and whose inscription are on you? Whose image do you bear? Well, you see, the image and the inscription on the coin were added when the coin was minted. The image and the inscription on you were added when you were made. So you gotta go all the way back to the beginning to discover the image. All the way back at the beginning of this story in Genesis chapter one. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, when Caesar minted the coins, the result was uniformity. Every coin looked exactly alike. But when God created all of creation, the result was diversity because no two humans are the same. Caesar, man, he can print it on whatever he likes. He can ask for whatever he wants. He can try to require of you whatever tax he thinks. He can build temples and he can hand out coins and he can ask for incense, but Caesar can never take God's place unless you let him. Only the the creator can lay claim to the creation. Only the maker can put his mark on what he has made and say, this is my own. This is mine. So give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but you better give back to God what is God's. What do you owe God? Everything you have. What do you owe God? Everything you've got. What does God want? He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants your mind. He wants your strength. He wants everything you've got. You see the image on you, it's the image of your creator. And the inscription on you is son of God. Whose image and whose inscription 
All God wants is for you to give him back what's his. What's God's? Everything you got. Everything. He's not asking you to give it to him. He's asking you to give it back. It's everything you have came from him. There's nothing more awe-inspiring in creation than the human mind. Yet more awe-inspiring than the human mind is the mind of God that dreamed it all up. Love God with your, your mind. Love God with your heart. Love God with your soul. Love God with your, your strength. God, I thank you today for every person in this room and every person tuning in, watching, listening from all over the world. God, I don't know where they are, but you know exactly where they find themselves. I don't know their situation or their circumstance, God, but you find them right where they are. Not only do you find them where they are, you love them where you find them. You love them just as they are, God. And you have the power and the desire to change them, but before they change and before they improve and before they correct, you love them. So God, we come to you today with our arms open, with our hearts open to you, asking you to speak to us, to meet us here, God, to work, to move, to do what only you can do. God, we offer you our very lives. Everything we have, you gave us, and we just give it back. God, the very breath in our lungs, the very life in our bodies, the light in our eyes, the ideas in our minds, God, all is from you. And we return it all. Maybe you're tuning in today and you don't really know where you stand with God. You say, you know, I hear you talking about people created in the image of God, but I'm not so sure about myself. The truth is, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you can't get rid of the image. I've seen the illustration. I, I don't have a $100 bill with me, but if you take our fiat money, this fake thing we pretend is worth something, and you, you throw it on the ground and you stomp on it and you crumble it up and you dirty it. It's still valuable. There's nothing you can do to erase the image of God in you or the inscription of God over you that you're loved, that you're His. But if you're Tuning in, if you're listening to me right now and you do not have a personal relationship with God, I wanna invite you and give you an opportunity to make that decision today. To say, God, I wanna pass from death to life. I wanna offer you everything that you've given me. I wanna give it back. God, I have nothing else to give other than me. And that's all he wants. So would you just repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life so that I could have life, that you died on the cross 
that you went to the grave and that you rose again so that I could live. And so Jesus, I put my trust in you right now. I lift my heart to you. I lift my mind to you. I lift my soul to you. I lift my spirit to you. God, I respond in faith to your invitation. I ask that you would save me. I ask that you would change me. I ask that you would forgive me. And I would ask that you would do what only you can do in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Oh, let's respond and worship. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.